0: Truth. What
1: is truth? Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to UFOnot Radio. UFOnot Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is UFOnaut Radio,
2: only on PSN.
1: oh like a freight train where else would you want to be on a Thursday night at eight o'clock
3: Jesse Randolph here you been radio every Thursday live for your listening pleasure kids welcome welcome what a show tonight we have for you and to my right of course the angel of ufology mr. Angel Espino welcome sir Thank you mr. Randolph president in the counter for as always well, glad to hear it, and he's pushing all the buttons back there. I, of course, am late with my clips as usual, and that's something you can take to the bank each week. Uh, I got an earful, and I will try to do better next week. Uh, what's going on in UFO land? Lots, but tonight, oh boy, you're in for it. You asked for it. I've been asking for it. You know, I offered this show to a couple of people when I wasn't in in radio, and I was just sort of a a listener, and I wanted to do this for a long, long time, uh, t- technical remote viewing, some call it remote viewing, some call it RV, this is something if you're in uh, ufology sectors, you're well-versed, you know what it is, we're not going to do a lot of rehash tonight, because you know how I hate that, what we are going to do is something that I've been wanting to do since I've interviewed, you name it. From Mont Eagle, Monte Eagle, to Lynn Buchanan, to of course the Ed Dames run-in that I had out here in Portland, Oregon, which will... The get infamous, infamous Ed Dames. Infamous. It is quite now infamous as, oh, yeah. as Ed Dames. Um, and a whole lot more, but what I am teasing to tantalize your senses this evening, your imagination, your imagination, as Bashar would say, from Guy. Yeah. Hey, wasn't that a fun show the uh, last week, the channeling show? If you missed it, guess that what? Was. We you can't hear it anymore. No, I'm just kidding. You can go and listen to it for free. How can you do that, Angel? If you go to the website psn-radio.com,
2: you know, just scroll down a little bit, look for the you for Not logo, click on it, and the podcast
3: is right there, free for download. Bam, easy. It's Totally free, and, and there's so no easy. ad. It's not like some ad's gonna come up and you're gonna have to hit the X to get rid of it and it's gonna crash the page. No! It's not gonna happen. You'll be able to just go there and hear, uh, a case study show that we did last week on the entity known as Bashar channeled via Daryl Inca. Go there, check it out. Uh, thanks to everybody who sent in some clips. Because I had asked for the the cream-of-the-crop channelers that were on the scene right now in this day of your time. And sure enough, many of you sent in some great ones, uh, especially the E.T. Whisperer, which I thought was uh, fabulous.
2: I'll be honest with you, Jesse, I haven't slept much uh, since that last show. It was kind (laughs) of creepy. Kind of creepy. No. Really? That guy, uh, when he was on the channel, he was like,
3: I swear to you, every time I go to sleep, all I hear is, Well, you know, you know uh, can you imagine being married to him? I could definitely not imagine that. That would be a nightmare. nightmare
4: if you could street. possibly pass the soap on this day your time.
3: <gasps> is he like a Sean Connery uh, type of cat? Are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But anyways, what I'm tantalizing tonight, uh, is that I have a challenge and I'm going to put it out there tonight. I've been wanting to do this challenge. It's it's a real challenge. And I, this happened so organically about a year ago and I haven't had the vessel until now because of you, Angel, and this listening audience that keeps us on the air. Um, Yes. I have wanted. ...to put this challenge to the remote viewing community for over a year now. And when you hear what the challenge is, I think you're going to go, damn, this is perfect. And I'll tell you, you're not going to get this from the mainstream radio guys. Why? Uh, because if you want to keep having some of these gents on, i.e., Dr. Doom and the gang, uh, Courtney Brown from the Farsight Institute, um, Ling Buchanan, of course, I mentioned... And there's a host of colorful characters. Um, Those guys won't come on these programs if we're going to hit them hard with something like a real challenge. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go into remote viewing tonight. I'm going to play some great clips, share some really good stories, and then we're going to get to the challenge. And to introduce this challenge, this test of all tests, and I think this is perfect. Because remote viewing has dabbled in everything at this point, from winning the lottery to stock market to uh, climate issues coming up and such, i.e. the kill shot. Remember all that from the Art Bell days, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Like I said, lottery numbers, gambling, um, of course, missing people. And we will discuss that as well. So that's what's coming up tonight. Everything you want to hear about remote viewing that I've had come into contact with probably in the past 15 years. And what we did was we kind of squelched all the groovy stuff and paint. we're going to try to paint a picture here. But what I really want this show to uh, specifically go into detail about is what are some of the limitations – to this quote-unquote science or pseudoscience, depending on what you think at the end of the program. Uh, and, of course, your comments are welcome at some point. So that's what's coming up for two hours of your time, as some would say, of your precious time. Uh, if not, you can hop a plane in the next uh, hour or two and still have time to make it for the contact in the desert happening this weekend, of course, in Joshua Tree. Uh, I was looking at this today because, number one, a lot of people think that I wouldn't want to go to something like this, and they are totally wrong. This is like going to a UFO circus. It is fun. Okay, I haven't actually been to Contact. I've been to just about all the other ones. But uh, one of the reasons I haven't been to Contact, and I'm, I'm bringing it up right now so I don't get it wrong, is, and, and this is just so... I think there, there is some rationale to this too. I'm looking up the prices here. So anyone who goes to these things knows that these conferences work in the following fashion. They'll say, oh, Richard Dolan's speaking at the, uh, Crash Retrieval content, uh, conference in, uh, Laughlin this year and Lynn Buchanan and Bob Lazar and George, uh, George Norrie. Of course, he's always there. Um, But here's what you can do. You can get into contact in the desert for two hundred and seventy five dollars. Two hundred and seventy five fucking dollars. That's it. Two hundred and seventy five. Wait, there's more. There is more, and here's (gasps) why. What? For that two hundred and seventy five dollars, this is how all of them work. You get in there and you get a little taste. So say, oh, Dolan speaking. You get yeah. a little taste of dolan you get like a little appetizer and this day of your time, you just get that part of Bashar, okay, you dig, and then uh if you want to to get the goodies, the real deal, their research, etc, you have to go to one of their uh panels, one of their uh super seminars that they give. oh boy. Or you can buy a, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see here in the tickets. If you, oh, they're called workshops. I apologize. Of course. So if you want to go see the special luncheon with George Nori, on top of the 275, 65 bucks. I don't even know if, I hope that includes a sandwich. Should include like a steak. Bologna and cheese. (laughs) Hey, I've been to to some of these and that would have been welcomed. Um, Graham Hancock, love to see him, 50 so you bucks. You
2: can get a and cheese. There you go.
3: Yeah. Valendanekin, the real ancient alien guy. Yes, or real you see, Or you can see Ducalos. You don't the get them together. He's the real cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if Montana gets the baloney and Ducalos, he's the cheese. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll take that. Hold I on, I get It makes better. perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Okay, here else. And somebody to "But would you not want to be at this?" Fuck yeah, I'd want to be at this. Are you kidding me? Uh, weekend workshop with Dr. Stephen Greer, fifty bucks. Okay. So now, do I want to go to everything I just said? Yes. So now I'm up to, let's see, uh, two seventy-five, three seventy-five. I'm almost at four hundred bucks so far.
1: Woo hoo! Almost my mortgage.
3: I haven't eaten. I haven't slept anywhere. Okay. The uh, next, Dr. Stephen Greer, of course, I gotta go see him. Um, David Wilcock. Okay, if you want to see the reincarnated uh um, Ed Dames, you can go see David Wilcock for fifty bucks. Him okay. and his five foreheads. <laughs> next to him, Corey Good. The goods on Corey Good, as we discussed last week. What a controversy going on about this gentleman. Uh a person who has claimed to be an empath and has been selected as the galactic ambassador to the blue avian bird-like being extraterrestrial race and, uh, has meetings with them on a regular basis and has worked in the secret space program through this program called 20 and back, which, uh, involves age regression. Yes, age regression. So that when you get back after your 20 years, uh, such of service, Somehow they inject you back, uh, to the previous age when you were taken and it only took six minutes in our, uh, hemisphere or our, uh, timeline. So that's the gist. That's 4,000 hours combined, to, uh, to the elevator pitch there for you, uh, John Selman, if you're paying attention here. That's how you do it. Am I right, Angel? Is that how you do it? That's right. Yep. You got it, boss. Okay. Anyway, Corey uh has been on some radio programs recently. Most uh most of them are I would he's say. Been doing, kind of, he's been
2: doing the rounds, definitely.
3: He's been doing the yeah, rounds. Yeah, he's been doing the rounds, but most of the people he's doing the rounds with are cronies. And you know who I'm talking about here. It's the one of the people he's I'm not allowed to say or I'll get in trouble. Oh, Jimmy Church. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. My little, little red, red
2: sunshine, Jimmy Church.
3: I am so pissed at you. <laughs> Listen, I listened to him. I put something in the chat room the other day that, that, uh, uh, Corey Good was, it's was, was beyond JC, right? He's gonna be on JC. And I was excited. I was cooking dinner. My fiance came home and I was like, yeah, you're not allowed to talk. I wanna hear what Corey has to say. And sure as shit, uh, I felt bad actually for Jimmy because the sound was so bad that, he wasn't really audible, and the poor guy was trying to conduct a very important interview, uh, kind of an exclusive, because uh, it's really been blowing up with people saying, look, you're going to this contact in the desert. This guy's one of the premier speakers at this event, and he is full of shit. He's a pathological liar, <laughs> and 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 none of what he's saying is even uh, his Remotely own stuff. Yeah. Well, that's for sure, and there is no proof to anything he's saying. But he's also not uh, having any issues with the fact that there is no proof. It's it's blind faith, 100%, and he agrees with that. That they they've kind of narrowed him down to saying, "Hey, would you ever? Will you be able to provide proof at some point? Some sort of tangible proof, i.e., witnesses, i.e., something anything. physical, anything, a video, an audio, a picture, la 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 la." And he said basically, "No." <laughs>
2: Nothing, just, I got nothing. Nah,
3: don't need that, but we're making a comic book.
2: Who needs proof?
3: <laughs> and I don't know how much that's gonna cost, but I want one. Okay, so let's keep going here. There's a guy I don't know, which is weird. There's a couple guys I don't know, which is weird. Uh, Jacques Valet, which here's where it gets really weird. Then they Jack dumped Vallée. down the price for other people. So it was 50 bucks to see Wilcock and Corey hmm. Good. Okay. And so for some good so so for hold on, so it's like fifty bucks for some good cock. So he told me. Easy. <laughs> but then you, you go down here to Jacques Flay, who is one of the oh, most, sorry, most I had Shush. One of the most well respected researchers in the land. Uh Jacques Fillet is twenty four dollars and ninety nine cents. Linda Moulton Howe, uh twenty four dollars and ninety nine cents. Whitley Strieber, twenty four bucks. Nick Pope, 24 bucks. I mean, they got everybody. Sala, 24 bucks. Another Corey good endorser. Oh, your favorite person. Uh, you kind of broke her. Uh, Laura Eisenhower, 24 bucks. Um, we did break her. Yeah. Remember we were out like the, what, the second show ever that she was on? If not the first. And, yeah. she, and you know, kind of tried to help her get through it. And, uh, wow, she sure has, uh, she sure has jumped up there in the, uh, SSP. Uh Mike Barrett, twenty four bucks. Mm. Richard Dolan, twenty four ninety nine. Yep. Uh uh you know, why is Dolan not worth fifty bucks? Don't know. Um James Gilliland, twenty four bucks. I have a, a funny
2: people. I have a funny story with James Gilliland, but I cannot say it on the air. It's Just it's
3: I know very, that story, and I'm really good. glad you're you're not ever going to say that on on this show. <laughs> uh Patty Greer, thirty five dollars. Don't know why. Kim Carlsberg I've interviewed her she no, is Patty a Greer. Patty Greer Patty um don't know you'd have okay. to click on her uh, and and it eludes me um I've only picked out the people that I knew from this list she's a filmmaker okay uh, she's done a ton of UFO films in the past 10 years movie she's gotten uh, five EBE awards um If people don't know what that is, it's the Extraterrestrial Biological Entities Award Film Festival that they give out at the Congress uh, International UFO Congress each year that Tim usually does uh, the viewings for. I don't know if he's still doing it over at UFO TV. Uh, But anyway, yeah, this lady, uh, she's in the thick of it. She's uh, a little more expensive. I don't know if they had something to do with setting their prices. Uh, and Carlsberg hmm. mentioned it is $25. If I didn't mention your name, it's because I don't know you, and I apologize for that. For Kim not Carlsberg me. is is cool, though. She's uh, an artist. Well, she was an actress. I believe she was on Baywatch. Kim Carlsberg? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's a good slurp. Unless I got ah. the uh, wrong Kim Carlsberg. <laughs> hey, man, when you don't have commercials, you got to. <laughs> that was a good slurp. <laughs> you think it's, I mean Nori will do what, about uh two and a half minutes before you get to a uh a paranormal dot com um. two and a half minutes, you give them a lot of credits, like yeah, crazy. Guys, a minute and a half, but no,
2: I think Kim Carlsberg,
3: she she wrote a
2: paranormal book where she did a lot of the artwork herself. It was very good. I don't she, think she was she on is, Baywatch though.
3: She is uh she is an artist, but I'm pretty yeah. sure she was on Baywatch.
2: Maybe, but I don't think so.
3: I mean, it's a weird thing, but either way, she's definitely um, one of Here's the. She's a cool lady, though. I had her uh, on a few years ago. That's she's I mean. very pretty, too. She's very pretty. Yeah, very pretty. I huh? But I don't see Chase on here. My buddy Chase, who I really dig... uh or Solaris. Where's, where's she at? No, she, she, and she'd be like... Uh, well, I don't... I'm not going to say that they wouldn't book her, because that's... Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the bar here is pretty low. Very low, yeah. <laughs> yeah. However... Uh with that being said, as you can see, you can easily spend uh I would say just to get in the door and see a couple of these guys. I mean, what are you gonna not gonna see at least three of them? That's like every hot shot in the field, pretty much, and you're talking about spending upwards of five hundred dollars just for the passes. That right. is ridiculous. Completely. Okay. Yep. That is obscene and this is why it has been a problem for decades at this point.
2: So, Jesse, hold on. So when we uh hear folks say, oh, there's no money to be made in this field, and nobody's in it for the money, Um can we finally call Batsquatch and uh BS to that?
3: Or yeah, Maloney you know cheese, what? Can we call that? Well, I mean, that's like saying, I'll try to give you an analogy. I mean, this is the top .01%, Okay. Uh, of the cream of the crop guys that i just mentioned not everybody's george Nory, not everybody's graham hancock or Dannikin, okay or two yeah but you gotta,
2: yeah but a lot of those folks that you mentioned there you, you didn't even know who they were so it's not like they're top you know one percenters either it's just who you know and who you blow you know how that goes
3: no but what i'm trying to say i guess is that if you said hey mom uh, after college, I want to become a ufologist. Uh, and she went on uh, Glassdoor or something and tried to look up how much ufologists make annually or what the median is, you know, when you look that kind of stuff up. And, uh, you know, like how much do plumbers make? You know, they don't say, well, there's about uh, less than 1% of the plumbers that make a lot of money, but the rest of the plumbers uh, are are below poverty, they almost don't make any money. So that's the difference. There's no middle class in ufology. You can't grind out a living. No, you can't, but if you completely sell yourself out and you uh, go into that in
2: crowd, there are complete sellouts and hoaxers, then you can make a shitload of money. And that's well,
3: basically, the truth. I think what you're getting at is if you don't uh, make waves and, with other people's correct. research. And I think that's the heart of what your statement is, correct? Part of it, yeah. Yeah, because I agree with that and that's the part, uh, with mainstream radio that I couldn't handle and I finally had to leave, which is that I, I just can't fake it for that long. I, I can fake it for a little while and I sure as hell tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of people knew that I was trying and when you're forcing something, uh, it, it just becomes a chore and you can't do it the way you want it. You can't sound like yourself. You can't be yourself. And you can't endorse the things that you want to endorse. Uh, I couldn't have this conversation with you about, about contact in the desert. I'd probably be promoting it or I'd be attending it. You know, so very this true, is, yeah. Yeah. this is very upsetting. And what, one of the theories I have, I don't know if anyone's uh, t- thought about this for a second. Maybe the chat has some thoughts. Um, perhaps they make it this expensive. Because this way they can weed out a lot of people that would go there with a more uh, critical mindset or uh, even a negative mindset where they they thought a lot of these people were either hoaxers or they were coming to uh, confront them. Because make no mistake, this isn't the Rolling Stones concert. I mean if you want to walk over and talk to Giorgio or uh, Graham – Or George Norrie if you really want to shake his sweaty hand um, or see Corey Good's strange hair right there in front of you. You can do it. These guys are approachable to a certain degree. I don't know how approachable Greer is, but he probably is, you know, especially if you're paying for his his stuff. And that's what you really pay for as well as you get to kind of hobnob with these characters. Uh, Is that worth something? Absolutely. But this is astronomical, Angel. You know. And this whole methodology of saying, hey, 275 bucks." number one, that should be all-inclusive. You should be able to get a room. You should have a luncheon provided, even if it was a shitty bologna and cheese box lunch. And they should not have workshops. They should be intertwined with their speaking schedule, their regular, that little teaser uh, that, I, that I was telling you about that they do instead. OK, that's bullshit. So that they've been doing that forever. It's been the model so that these guys can make, uh, for instance, you know, they get a certain amount of money for speaking their little uh, one hour slot for the freebie speech. And then if they get, let's say, if they're charging 50 bucks, uh, let's say, Corey. If you want to hear more about what the blue avians like to eat and that sort of stuff, and you go to his conference, his workshop, uh, I mean, you do the math. You know, he's going to make that, that's probably the part that where these guys get to keep most of it, I would think in their deal. So they're really selling workshop seats and they organize, and they organize their talk that way. So if you go and you plunk down the 275, don't think you're going to get the goods kids because you ain't. Okay. Enough said. Enough said, right, Angel? Well, here's the thing. Uh, yes,
2: it's very expensive, but you got to understand that they don't only make their money just by having the workshops. They sell their books, merchandise. There's a lot of stuff that they make money outside of just the, the workshop itself. So even if they went and lowered the price a little bit, they're still going to be banking and making good money. Regardless.
1: You know, that's a,
3: that's a terrific point because you're right, and I didn't even bring it up. There's tons of swag at this shit. Dude, uh, dude, you have no idea. And Even and-
2: like at the Mufon event. People were selling like T-shirts of their books and their books with you know, different items and stuff. They, and, they, and people were buying it. I mean, people went there and it—it it was like a, a like a comic book convention where you just went and you just bought stuff. That's really where these things become. And
3: people go well, and they do buy their goods. Absolutely. In fact, I worked at uh, Tim's booth many times in exchange for free tickets to see people like David Icke, who would charge. M- much more than uh, fifty dollars sometimes to see him after you've paid this very steep price to get in the door it's a it's a big disappointment it's been a disappointment since the uh, l a UFO convention that I used to go to when I was uh, in my early twenties and when I saw how it was working, here was a kid who was dying for the information couldn't get it couldn't afford it and you get a guy like Corey Good. Who says this is, you know, uh, important for the world to hear this information as a whistleblower, and it's very important that he gets all this information to the proper people and all this stuff. But yet I can't learn about it for the most part unless I want to plunk plunk down over 500. Bucks. Of course, yeah,
2: that's all it is because it's going to cost you about 500 bucks to learn the secret. Here's the thing: if if they uh, really have a message from celestial beings from from another galaxy, or from another world, or whatever, or from another dimension. And it's really important for mankind. Shouldn't this information be free for mankind? Why should we we have to, like, fork over 500 bucks each to learn this secret information? Today yeah, it's I, not changing anything, because anybody who's found out this information hasn't, like, done shit with it, apparently, because it hasn't changed anything.
3: No, I couldn't agree more. I think you're really hitting it on the head here. And, and that also is a good segue... Uh, uh, are we doing a break in, in a few minutes here? We got a break coming up?
2: Yep. Well, yeah, we got a break in about two minutes.
3: Yeah. It's a good segue to get into uh, remote viewing because mm-hmm. we're going to start talking about how are these people making a living as well? And what are they offering. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, when they asked Neo to join the Matrix and to learn about it and he had to take uh-huh. the, right, the red pill. They didn't say, oh yeah, and also, do you have a Visa CVV number? Because it's $1,500. You know, I, I mean, they just didn't do that. And uh, I think that's a good analogy, and it's really important that you bring that up. That information is that if there really is a message to share that's this important, uh, yeah, don't make people pay uh, an ridiculous. enormous amount. Now, I'm telling you why before we go to break. I, my theory is that they want to surround themselves, like I said, with with uh, converts, and the converts are willing to plunk down this kind of cash.
2: They okay? want the money, Jesse. That's what it is. It's always about the money.
3: But, of course, all roads on this page, on this website, seem to lead towards the planet known as Gaia. <laughs> so, planet Gaia is starting to really own this stuff. And, you know, look, some might say, hey, that Rolling Stones uh, concert ticket's going to cost you two hundred bucks, or um, you name it, one of any of your favorite people that you want to go see, whether it be Louis C.K. or any of these people. And I guess that's true, but number one, these people are entertainers, and these people are 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 going to say they're researchers. So that's the only difference. Uh, uh, what they're promoting, they're not promoting an act, and. The Rolling Stones are. So mm-hmm. although if you listen to David Wilcox, the Rolling Stones were some sort of my lab uh, issue uh, convert. And they were uh, mentoring candidates uh, when they wrote some of these songs. Yeah, David Wilcox was in the lab and they turned them over. All right. That's ah, man, well, let's let's <laughs> do this. That's the news for this weekend. If you're going to go to this thing, just know you're going to see a lot of cool people. And I wish I was with you. I can't afford it. Angel can't afford it. The people in the chat room—they're a bunch of bums. They can't. Well, afford I, it.
2: Here's, no, I can afford it. I just don't want to like fork over that kind of cash to see these. And it's again, you know, what new York are we going to learn by going to uh, to these panels and spending nearly a thousand or two thousand dollars at this event? I mean, what no, media are you going to learn?
3: Seriously. I don't know, because I can't afford it.
2: Well, besides that, I mean, <laughs> if you've seen these folks already do interviews, if you've heard them on the radio, if you've seen them on TV, and they've already talked for hours on end, do you really think your panel is going to be much different than what you've heard al- already? I
3: mean, honestly. I don't, but I, don't I, I still really, when you're in a place, we do all this stuff virtually for the most part at this point. So... When you actually get into a ballroom, whether it's at a hotel or one of these places, this is actually in the desert, which is a really neat. It's usually it's some shitty Ramada kind of thing. But when, when you go to that and you see everybody's kind of buzzing around, it's, it's UFOs, man. People are talking ufology. People are, are, are debating and they're having secret discussions and interviews going on in hotel rooms. And you know you've gone to some of these things. It's pretty fun. It's fun, but at the same time, fuck that. I'm not supposed to spend too grand to be in the desert full of bugs. Okay.
0: <laughs> I would
2: I be in mean the Ramada.
0: The hey, A- you, C- might, <laughs> you might end up meeting
3: your potential, uh, uh, who knows? You might end up meeting uh, Mrs. Laura Espino. Laura Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the new Mrs. Espino might be there. You never know. Give her the presidential, you know what, uh, treatment. There we go. Well, we're going to get you – I think I'm, what I'm going to try to do is hook you up with a uh, a ParanormalDate.com uh, account and we get go. that going and get your profile up. And I think the, the viewers, the listeners here would love to help you with your profile. So that's something to think about. All right, let's do this. <laughs> let's take a break. When we come back, we're diving deep. We're getting granular. Deep. We're going to have a night to remember because there is a challenge that is going on tonight it's a gauntlet that is getting thrown down okay i'm throwing it down and we're going to send dun, out dun, this dun, challenge dun. to a bunch of these characters oh, okay well, going well no we're gonna give them a shot here uh fyi I did write to cory good and ask him to be on the program so we'll see what happens with that uh and before we go to break real real quick uh, get your friends, if they don't believe in uh, remote viewing, they want to know what the heck it is, they're gonna like this show. But, let's give a big shout out to one of my heroes growing up that I loved. He wasn't a hero, I just, I dug the guy's music and I wished that I was him, uh, when I looked in the mirror sometimes, but I wasn't even close. Um, he passed away, I believe yesterday, and man, what a great musician
2: committed suicide though i mean that's
3: but a why rough. why why would you do that that's a I, question, you know you no, have no, no. everything uh, anyway mm-hmm. i'm speaking about chris cornell of soundgarden mm-hmm. audio slave and on his own uh, as a solo artist fantastic stuff i was always a fan you uh, know the crazy go-
2: thing uh jesse he did a performance the night before with so- uh, soundgarden and uh, they had gotten together and they did this big show, and then the very next day they found them on
3: You know, it, it's so selfish in so many it's ways. It, it, you know, you, there's people on this planet that don't have fucking water, okay? And then yeah. you, you're Chris Cornell, and you have everything. Everything. You yeah. want to buy a $200 pizza? You can do it. You want to go to Contact in the Desert and go to every workshop? No problem. Okay? You want to go to an island and just sit on the white sand beach for about six months and do nothing except play with your iPad, you can do that. But yet, not only that, you can help dogs, you can help kids, you can help Mm -hmm. all kinds of things if you were feeling like you didn't have a purpose anymore, but yet you still took yourself out, man. It just blows blows my mind, blows my mind. So, I mean,
2: I'm not 100. I'm not 100 sure before going break. I'm not 100 percent sure that he committed suicide though, because this is a little weird. Why would he perform the night before? Everybody said he was. He seemed happy and
3: normal. They said he hung himself, a la yeah, like but Hutchinson kind of thing, you know.
2: Yeah, but I mean, who, maybe somebody hung him and made it look like he hung himself. Like David Carradine.
3: Well,
2: no, David Carradine was uh, masturbating in the closet and he so he so he, he, he hung himself by accident. Uh, because it's a thing that, I guess, some, uh, some people do the sexual thing where they, uh, tie, you know, their neck. Oh, just uh, ask, with... just
3: ask the chat room, they know. I
2: don't know the entire, like, just <laughs> somebody tie their neck with, uh, the closet door and, like, the- It's
3: called, uh, self, uh, uh, something, yeah. or something like that, something, right? Something like that, like...
2: yeah, but it's like a sexual thing these, these yes. have. But that was, I mean, this guy, like, hung himself who I don't think he was in the closet masturbating.
3: No, I don't think Chris Cornell was anything like that. Uh, And I refuse to. But I think Michael Hutchinson was.
2: But now we know who killed Bill.
3: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) we're going to break. And we come back remote viewing the challenge. (laughs) Remote viewing challenge only here on UFONOT Radio for everyone not going to Contact in the Desert. You're going to have a lot of fun for free. Don't go anywhere. Here we go.
1: Seven three 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 seven four. That's nine five four nine seven three thirty three seventy four. Or visit keyinformation.com.
0: Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. Talkstream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you.
5: Man of Steel and more. Superman homepage.com.
3: Starts now.
1: Six months later, this search could finally answer the questions about.
3: Maybe you should leave your video on, Angel. I'm kind of enjoying looking at your head. Hey, you're live.
2: <laughs> oh, we're
3: live. Hey, hey, we're back. Hey, guys. Welcome back. You've been on Radio Thursday on a uh, beautiful May 18th, 2017, here in Portland, Oregon. By my side, as always, thank goodness, the angel of ufology, Mr. Angel Espino, who's also the CEO, founder of PSN Radio Networks, which is what you're listening to this program on, possibly live, because live's more fun. No editing here, by the way. We don't edit, which makes it kind of like walking the tightrope with no net. Anyways, we just finished talking about Contact in the Desert. I kind of gave you a rundown of that. In fact, uh, some of you guys know to sort of boycott those things in general. But if you are going to go... You might have to max out the ATM. Tonight's program, remote viewing, what is it? What is it really good for in 2017? Uh, and, of course, the UFANOT challenge to the remote viewing community. And where I wanted to start off tonight, Angel, um, is by having one of the best cream-of-the-crop guys from the Stargate program, which was uh, via the Army back in, I believe, 78. I'll have to double-check that. I believe uh, I'm pretty damn close. This is Lynn Buchanan, and I'm going to play you his explanation to get it out of the way, uh, a really good synopsis in a couple minutes of what remote viewing is, and then we will go from there. So here's Lynn giving you a quick synopsis. Go ahead and play that clip, sir.
5: Yes, sir. Here we go. The 1960s, the U.S. government was losing a lot of its top secret information, and they couldn't find out how. Well, through a quirk of fate, actually, uh, they found out that it was because the Russians were using psychic spies. Well, everybody had a good laugh over that, but then somebody reminded them, Yeah, but they're getting our information. So they wisely Psychic decided spies. That Ooh, if the sorry. Russians have it, and if it's working for them, then maybe we'd better look into it. So they formed a contract with a research group at Stanford Research Institute International to find out whether or not intuition can be used for espionage purposes for spying. Come to find out it can. The researchers at Stanford settled on a methodology called controlled remote viewing uh, invented by a man named Ingo Swan. They developed it into a viable military application. And once they did, a long series of projects started, which, uh, the public now knows as Stargate. Uh, I won't go into the history of Stargate. Suffice it to say that we, uh, collected intelligence on, uh, military leaders governmental leaders, plans and intentions for the next day of battle, and for uh, such things as finding and uh, rescuing hostages in hostage situations. Anyway, at the uh, end of these projects in 1996, the CIA effectively declassified the fact that the government had been using controlled remote viewers for collecting intelligence. Once that became public knowledge, then the science, which never was, by the way, uh, classified, what became available to the public. When the information became public that the U.S. government had used remote viewers for uh, espionage purposes and that it was scientifically acceptable, psychics of all kinds decided this is scientifically acceptable, and so we're going to start calling what we've always done remote viewing. And uh, immediately out across the internet, you started getting remote viewers of all different kinds who uh, basically had no idea what remote viewing was. Remote viewing is a science, nothing more. Um, Basically, you might use the analogy that if being psychic is a vacation, controlled remote viewing is the car that gets you there. Um, it's not going to give you more scenery once you get there. It's just a tool. It gets your uh, intuitive ability to be put to use in a controlled organized fashion and allows you to use what intuitive ability you have. There are a lot of people out on the internet saying that if you take remote viewing courses from them it'll make you psychic. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's a tool. Whatever psychic ability you have it will teach you how to use it. A lot of people are surprised at what abilities they do have, but it's a tool. That's all it is. There is no magic. It will not make you psychic. It's a tool and it's a science. So as you look around the internet for information on remote viewing, it can be very important to remember that things labeled remote viewing may not be scientific at all. It's controlled remote viewing, which is the science developed at Stanford for the U.S. government and for... Body.
3: Okay, that was a very dry explanation. I don't know if I uh, put somebody to sleep there, Lynn, but very good <sighs> explanation. <laughs> Seriously, I was falling asleep for a yeah, second. Well, but the point is, is that, look, remote viewing was something that they were open to trying. And the person that they brought in from the psychic world was a guy named Ingo Swan. Ingo Swan is a very well respected character. In the New Age community and in the psychic community, but I think they're pretty much merged. But he has this different echelon that he sits on. This different plateau, Ingo, because of Stargate and what he did with the military. And he was brought in to say, hey, Ingo, you're a psychic. How can we sort of can what you do and have these dudes drink it? Okay? Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. I will say this, Ingo Swan put out a book called Penetration in the uh, 90s or early 2000s. And that particular book was a novella uh, style book, you know, one of those larger than a paperback, kind of bigger. I like it. I like those kind of books sometimes too. Um, However, this particular book I had lent to a friend. It really didn't seem like a big deal. That book I believe right now, is worth over $3,000. Damn. Yeah. So the the asshole who didn't return my copy of Penetration, thank you. Do you you, feel like you were penetrated? No, I feel like I uh, lost my penetration. (laughs) (sighs) But remote viewing has been around forever as far as uh, if you're a listener to shows like this. Of course, the most infamous remote viewer that came out of Stargate was a guy by the name of Major Ed Dames that to most of you were introduced to him via the name Dr. Doom on the Art Bell program when we were youngsters. And this gentleman would come on with a very stern and serious tone and tell you all sorts of predictions that were very, very scary. Uh, In fact, uh, I think, People like Lynn Buchanan. Now, keep in mind, Ed Dames, who was in Stargate, Major, Major Ed Dames. Um, Lynn Buchanan. Uh, you can get the list of guys that were in there. Uh, Joseph uh, Monteagle. Um These guys all came out when the program was canceled and decided to open up their own technical remote viewing shops. Uh, universities, so to speak. Okay, And... For a nominal fee, you can come and learn how to remote view, and depending on the person that you go to, whether it's Lynn, you're going to get more of a drier kind of uh, specific uh, science-oriented, as he puts it, uh, lesson plan. And if you go with a guy like Ed Dames or a guy like uh, the Farsight Institute with Courtney Brown, uh, who's, a, who's a doctor – he wasn't in the Army um, – you are going to get a lesson plan that will include off-planet target, uh, targetization, uh, off-planet, um, interaction-oriented targets, and you are going to get, uh, time-oriented targets. You're going to get a lot more of the fringe lesson plan of what they believe remote viewing is capable of doing, uh, to this day, and I'm just going to list this before we move any further, Ed Dames, who really became the figurehead for remote viewing in the New Age community and the ufology community, I mean, he was a guy who was on Art Bell a, a lot at one point, uh, almost bimonthly or when things came up. Uh, and a lot of things went to his head, I believe, and then just got spun out of control, and I I think if you interview some of the other people that I have in the subject, they will concur that uh, he went off the rails at some point. Uh, here's uh, Dame's – some of his notorious bizarre predictions uh, I have a list of via RationalWiki.org. Uh, let's look at these real quick. Angel, take a listen to some of these and see if they ring a bell. Okay. Oh, ready. Ed Dames uh, said Martians would be caught stealing fertilizer from U.S. companies. Okay. Okay. He said that the existence of Satan would be proven by science. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, oh, this one said Bill Clinton would be killed in April 1998 on a golf course by lightning. That happened. Okay.
2: Maybe these uh, things happen in the Mandela Effect is just changing our perspective perhaps. and memories.
3: Well, now That's you insane. sound like uh, Contact in the Desert. Uh, Claim to know the exact location of Amelia Earhart's plane. Uh, That would probably be worth quite a bunch of money if he could find uh, anything from that crash. Uh, He is, of course, well-known for his predictions of catastrophic Armageddon-like events, earning him the name Dr. Doom. Of course, the kill shot we had heard about for years and a cylindrical object. Uh, I I can't believe there's like – they used to talk about this all the time on Bell. A cylindrical object containing deadly fungi, spores, released by an alien intelligence was headed towards Earth in 1998. Well, now I know what happened with all my allergies getting all crazy for the, since, uh, the year 2000. You know what I mean? Cause my allergies have been terrible. So it's probably these spores. Um, he claimed that Africa would be hit with major famine due to wheat fungus and eventually spread to the Americas. Okay. Um, and then uh, he also decided to get into another game that really got dicey for some of us, and that was the missing person's angle to remote viewing. Can you utilize remote viewing, technical, whatever you want to call it, to find missing people, missing children especially, and this is where he decided to focus his efforts. This became something that the press really, really uh, loved doing stories about too. So when he came to town and he had information to share with the FBI or the police, by the way, to this day, uh, we'll be the first ones to tell you they never asked him to do anything, uh, so – he does this, as he calls it, as a labor of love and to help families in need and who are obviously in distress. Uh, that sounds great, and that sounds fantastic if if it was actually uh, plausible. And unfortunately, what we had learned – this is going back to the year 2004, I believe uh, – that Ed started to get involved, Ed Dames, with Finding Missing Children – and that in itself became very, very problematic uh, for me in particular and for most of you who have heard the show, the, fa- the now uh, semi-famous uh, Ed Dames exposed show in which he came on my program on KPAM 860 here in Portland, Oregon one night, and we were talking about uh, remote viewing and how we could quantify how we could try to quantify uh, remote viewing and try to put some sort of tests together to see how accurate it was, right? Quantify the, the existence of the technology view accuracy via accuracy makes sense, right? Either I, you know what's going on at the target or you don't. And uh, there shouldn't be a gray area. And the interesting part was that he agreed, which I found uh, surprising. And with that, I want to play what transpired. I know I'm jumping around here a little, Angel, and I apologize. But um, what I want to get to, and this is before I get to the the Euphanot challenge tonight, which we're going to do in the next hour here, is I want to play you some of that audio. And here I was thinking I was going to have just a uh, I don't know a rehash interview with a guy that I'd been listening to since I was a kid. So it was a hoot just to have him on. But then it suddenly turned very black. Very, very, very black. And so tonight was a good night to bring this out of the closet because it does coincide with the challenge tonight and what we're talking about. So I, uh, said it was okay to play it. So is it okay if, uh, do we have that queued up, Angel? Yeah, I got it queued up. All right. Why don't we just go ahead and roll it and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let the audience, uh, hear it and, and decide what transpired here. All right. Are we saying that
1: the military is still interested in remote viewing? interestingly,
6: our military is not. China, India, um, and uh, Israel is, but we've abandoned that for political reasons.
1: Okay, so I had no idea about that, that there are foreign countries actually still putting money behind this, because a lot of people will ask me often about remote viewing. I've had Russell Targarn in the past. Has there been an estimate about the success rate of RV as far as data?
6: Um. You know what, we need a metric, we need a standard. Yeah. I think a good one would be, you guys have a local case, uh, Kieran Horman, uh, 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 a child has disappeared. Oh, yes. The, 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 uh, a good standard would be, if I say, I I can find this child, then a good standard uh, would be, if, can I or can I not?
1: Um, well, are you trying to say that you could find Kieran? Because this has been a case that has really created an emotional mess for this town in the past. I'm month. saying
6: it but it's not only you know in, in in terms of your aforementioned question and statement, it's a it's a good metric, wouldn't you wouldn't you agree?
1: Well yeah, and not to mention it's a major game changer. I mean in my opinion, let's just take this case specifically. Kyron Horman of course is, is a young boy, I believe is about nine years old. Seven. Thank you. And he's been missing for over three weeks, I believe, now. And I'm telling you, in Portland, everywhere you go, it's a testimony to a testament how great Portland is as far as trying to keep their citizens abreast and supporting them. But this kid's face is everywhere. and yeah, everyone well, let's is... park
6: back to your question. Yes, yes. We're, we're talking about a metric here. Okay, so the metric. You know, a way to, add to, 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 to adjudicate or, or ascertain whether or not remote viewing after 20 plus years of evolution is effective or not, wouldn't this be a good standard?
1: Well, yeah, especially since it's an applied science that's been utilized already by our own military. So, what do you, what do you, do you are you saying that you have some sort of news for us? I'm saying that, that
6: remote viewing, the way that it was evolved over the last 20 plus years, can find this child dead or alive and that I will.
1: Now that's now that's really putting it on the line, isn't it? Uh, yeah. In fact, I'm sure we'll... It's put, I'm putting it on the line here because people might actually call me up and say, what the heck's going on here? But the thing is, is that, in my opinion, and this is about having an open mind, if Ed is willing to give something like this a shot, and... Hey, Toby,
6: not to interrupt you, I'm not willing to give it a shot. I'm telling you, but so this, this is important enough to me. It's not just the science and all of that stuff. But it's important enough to my soul and 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 to and to me, not just the, the parent of this child and to the residents of Portland to do it to go up to to actually do it. That means you know. So what? lying was, up there.
1: What is involved? What is involved for you to try to do something like this to assist? Oh, uh, not everybody? easy. Okay. Okay.
6: It takes about, it, it, okay, for for one thing, about about 20 years ago when I was Operation and Training Officer for the, the military unit, we couldn't find hostages and terrorists when we needed to.
1: Exactly. We didn't
6: have the technology. It was a brand new, nice and, nascent science. And so, but now we have that, okay? So what am I doing with it? Well, I chose to use it as a retired military officer uh, to look at, for missing children and, uh, Huron just happens to be on the front burner at this point in time.
1: Well, Ed, let me ask you this, Major Dames. Again, going back to this metrics, have you been involved with missing children cases in the past? And a lot of people always ask me, why can't Major Dames find Osama bin Laden? Uh, we found Osama
6: bin Laden. That's a political issue. There's, If you go on the Internet and you search around, you can see my map of where this Osama bin Laden is where he bounces back and forth, okay? That's, that has political implications and, and political elements involved with it. Here we're talking about a child, 17 year old boy, in your area of operations, and soon to be my AO, where I'm going to fly in, you, you and I personally can sit down and I'll take you to where this child is, along with the FBI, of course. Okay, oh my so God. that's down and dirty, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. Wasn't expecting to get that on a Saturday night, Ed. Um, wow. This is definitely a revelation. When were you planning on coming to Portland, sir? Well, it takes about three days for me to me
3: three days pinpoint. Okay, uh, lots time. said there. That was obviously an exciting evening for me right. personally. It was crazy. It really wow. was, and to have somebody be so adamant about this technology was the first time I had heard that, where he was really saying, no, no, no. I was trying to be sort of vanilla about it. You know, I was saying, what's the metrics? What do we say did, that maybe, you know, if they found Kyron's scarf, that you hit it? Um That would be huge for me. Uh, what happened? What transpired via this? Why don't we take a break and digest this clip for a second, and I'll tell you what happened and then we'll get into, uh, this exciting challenge that I can't wait to share with you guys. You're going to love this. Uh, does that sound good, Angel? Uh, sure. Another break? Yeah, we're going to do our nine o'clock break. We'll come right back and we'll discuss this. What happened with this Kyron Horman case when Ed okay. Dames, Major Ed Dames, claimed that he was going to fly to Portland and show yours truly and the FBI where Kyron was. By the way, that was, uh, um, in 2010, so it was about, yeah, it was roughly seven yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's take that. a break, and I'll tell you guys everything that happened and a whole lot more when we come back. You've out radio on a Thursday night. Angela Spino and Jesse Randolph here with you.
0: And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live.
1: Now available
0: in the iTunes App Store.
1: The George Rodriguez Show. Who?
0: I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow, kind of funny-looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate.
5: Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, Mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. All systems are functional. Mr. Jackal, the
2: the new king of radio, who's your favorite superhero? My name is Steve Yunus
7: from supermanhomepage.com,
6: and now I'm a voice inside the jackal's head.
2: And
7: who makes them look that cool? Hey, this is Mark McKenna here. I'm a comic book artist for 25 years for Marvel and and DC Comics, and I'm a voice inside the jackal's head.
0: Only on PSN Radio. (laughs) Never give up
2: on people, Rodney. I know sometimes I don't seem to understand, but when you're in trouble and you cry out for help, that's when it's important. I mean, you take, well, Trigger's cousin Cyril. Now, he had what? Well, he owed 500 quid or something on his mortgage, didn't he, Trigger?
7: Yeah. He was going to be thrown out on the street the following day. He was very worried about it. What happened then, trigger He drove out to beachy head. He parked about five foot from the edge of the cliff. No.
4: What? What, he was going to drive off here?
7: Yeah. He just sat there for two hours his head resting on a steering wheel people tried to talk him out of it but he was too depressed to listen and this is the thing Robbie, this is what
2: i mean about people you see because those people there they had a whip round and they
3: welcome back everybody we Just listening to a clip that I had played uh, with Major Ed Dames declaring that he was going to come to Portland, this is back in 2010, and solve the Kyron Horman missing child case, which to this day, uh, of course, is not solved. Six years, 11 months, and 14 days later. But it is, I believe, the most expensive manhunt in the history of Portland and in history of the state of Oregon, for a missing child. Uh, Ed never came to Portland. I never met with Ed. I did write him multiple times asking when he would arrive. Um, he had different uh, conferences that he had, workshops, etc., that he did for a living. And most of them were in places like Las Vegas and such. And he kept claiming he was going to, take care of this, and it was going to get done, and it never happened. So one day I kind of got a little uh, more direct, I would have to say, with my emails, and Ed told me that he had finished his report and sent a map and a copy of the report to the authorities in Multnomah County, which is where I live here in Portland. I was furious because he had said he was also going to show me and at the time, I was doing some local shows talking about this, and they had also picked it up. Uh, KGW over here, uh, KTB uh, picked it up as well. And they were waiting on this major from the Army, ex-retired military uh, psychic spy, that was going to utilize this new technology, as you heard, via that clip, to find this boy. And that was the metrics, right, Angel? Either he finds them or he doesn't. That's the metrics. Right. Either it works yep. or it doesn't, right? Yep. Right. From so, his own mouth. From his own mouth. Na- from his own mouth. I did not yep. expect it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't say, "Hey, what can you do about this Kyron case?" No way. Because no, he, you know he, what? He,
2: op- yeah, he opened up himself. In fact, I remember that night like it was yesterday. Jesse, we were there listening to me and a bunch of friends, and we were like jaw dropped as soon as he, out of his own mouth, said that he will find this boy and he'll take you there.
1: Yeah.
3: And you, you come to find out that it wasn't the first time he's done stuff like this. Mm. So uh, there were some other missing children that he claimed to have the goods on. To to make a long story a slightly shorter, uh, a friend of mine, via uh, uh, Ed, had sent uh, a piece, a portion of the report, and a redacted map, Google map, okay, Google Earth style map, so you could actually see the terrain. With blacked out coordinates, okay? And I was furious about that obviously because I would not be able to fact check them or go to these locations. Perhaps I shouldn't have wanted to, but as a reporter at the time, uh, I did want to investigate and my partner at the time did want, did want to as well. What we did was we were able to remove the black, uh, redacted components, and, and he did it just like a classified document. So they just had these sort of black lines on certain places on the map. He was able to take those off because the file was not locked. So in the haste to send something out, I imagine they forgot to lock the file. Hence, I was able to pull that off. My friend was, and we sent a dog team out there. In fact, we sent multiple dog teams to multiple locations after he uh, amended the previous report. And to make a long story short, it didn't work, Angel. Uh this audience, kids out there, it didn't work. What was Ed Dames' response to this? Uh you know, I, I looked for a response. I, I knew that he had a book coming out at the same time. It was one of the reasons I, I think he agreed to be on. And in fact, I believe George Norrie wrote the forward to that book. Um but I mean even on the rvcommunity.net chat room, uh, their forum, not chat room, um, where Ed posts all the time to his students. Uh, These folks, here's Ed Dames on November 24th, 2004, at 1 a.m. in the morning, saying, Project completed. This is RE, missing Oregon boy. Project completed. Formal report. To cognizant authorities in preparation. The excellent work submitted to MIA by Swish Binger and Dan Ellis corroborating RV Geofix results as well as valuable sessions executed by recent RV Advanced Skills Workshop attendees contributed greatly towards this operation Golden Eye project. Thanks. I'll keep you updated. And then he signed it Doom. Then somebody posted the KPTV article that featured Ed. So I said, you know, he is drumming up some nice press from this. Uh, and people were excited about it, and it fell apart. Why did it fall apart? Because it didn't happen. It wasn't real. He didn't find Kyron. The technology failed. It failed. Did he still move on uh, to doing – Uh, seminars of course he's got new products coming out this year he's got new predictions coming out this year about North Korea about uh, global catastrophes this is uh, something that you know why why poke fun at a guy like this uh, and not poke fun at a guy or try to expose a guy like Corey Good I see no difference really I think Ed was in a interesting position to monetize remote viewing when it was cancelled his explanation as to the reason uh, that the United States government no longer funds remote viewing is that it is a political issue doesn't hold much merit with me okay so that's what happened that what's that is what happened with the most Revered guy in the remote viewing community from, I would say, the 80s until 20, maybe 2010, 2012, when people started to say, hey, this guy hasn't been accurate on anything really. And the stuff that he does complain, uh, that he does claim to be accurate on, uh, doesn't really jive because he's taking credit where it's already known or he could have found out. This whole thing about knowing where Osama bin Laden was this whole time, uh, there is no proof of that whatsoever. So, I think he went off the rails, Angel. I think he just one day this started getting. Maybe it was because of Art Bell's and and the the celebrity status that he was able to claim. Maybe it was because he had all these people, you know, waiting on bated breath for what he was going to say through remote viewing and what he'd learned about. The planet Mars or the moon. I mean, as you pointed out, I would sit with my snacks or my coffee or whatnot. And if I knew that Dr. Doom was coming on, I paid attention. I paid attention. Uh, so doing that for years and you know, I, I'm sure in his head, he believes that this stuff is absolutely fantastic and works, but I don't know how much more black and white you can get. Then the guy himself telling you, either I can or I can't. Either I can come to Portland, Oregon and find Kyron Horman for you, this little boy that went missing one day while he was at a science fair in his own little school here on Skyline, which is a beautiful neighborhood with this little school on a hill. Okay, not many kids. He goes missing in the middle of the daytime, never seen again. It's seven years later. Where is Ed Dames? It failed. So is there an excuse? Is there a a way to own up to that? I don't see how. Am I missing something, Angel? No, not at all. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I think we've exhausted that. That is your premier guy in remote viewing for the past eon. Now, guys like Lynn Buchanan, guys like Russell Targ, they will say no. They will say this is not an exact science. Some people are better than others. Some people have better hit rates than others. And I agree with that I think- you know
2: one thing though Jesse with with what he did because remember you said that he even wrote about this and there's articles written and everything and what he used was the early publicity to kind of put his name back out there and gain a little bit more buzz because nobody really follows up what happens after the fact and most people don't you know that may have heard of this incident didn't follow it through and may have not heard the results of. Him not being able to do anything and just skipping out, and uh, you know he, he probably used the early little buzz to you know get a couple more uh, you know book signing you know uh, conventions and stuff and and uh, get a little bit more buzz for his, for himself. Uh, it's it's very pathetic though to well, use yeah. a child like that.
3: Well, that was the thing. Well, it when I said it turned very black is uh, when he started getting this sort of notoriety in town here. I got nothing out of this, by the way. I no, I barely got a mention, okay. For some, I, guess I was afraid
2: you, you were going to get sniped, or, you know, sniped by somebody because of this. Honestly, when this happened, because it was like you said, it was very dark. And I mean, I mean, this is somebody that who knows what connections he has. Also,
3: yeah, exactly. No, it was a good point. And so here I was, and it it really fell flat. It was a major disappointment by major names. And there are other components to this story that I've chosen to leave out, and you know about that, Angel. And I don't need to spew the whole story because uh, uh, it really speaks for itself, and, and Ed is the one who dug this particular grave. Moving right along, we're going to switch gears, and it, it is time. It is time to get you guys to the point. I've given you a little background. And and granted, it was dry, but I gave you the background on what remote viewing is for all you newbies, for your veterans, for the guys who have been following this like you and I for years. Where's the beef? Well, guess what? I have the quintessential perfect challenge for the remote viewing community. And in the words of Dr. Doom himself, either they can or they can't. With that being said, I'd like to play the following clip. This is a... Man by the name of Forrest Finn. He lives in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, which I had the pleasure of visiting my fiance's relatives uh, about a year ago. And we stayed there for almost a week, I believe, and got to really see the Rio Grande and some places I have only read about in books. And here I was, really in the middle of nowhere in the desert of New Mexico. And I got to go to some fantastic places. But one day I got sat down by someone who I'm going to leave out right now. And they said, I've got a story for you. And when I heard this story that I'm about to play for you, because this story might ring a bell with you and you might never have heard it. But if you haven't heard it, this one's going to really get your your senses tingling. Because when I heard this story, Angel, I said to myself, this is the euphonaut remote viewing challenge and so with that being said let's go ahead and play this clip and we're going to introduce you tonight to force finn and his challenge which i am then going to turn over to the remote viewing community all right somewhere
7: Here we go. in the wilderness um somewhere north of santa fe um lies a hidden box containing a wealth of treasure this treasure that has sparked Somewhat of a modern-day gold rush. I mean, you've you've drawn national headlines. Mm -hmm. You've attracted treasure hunters from all walks of life, far and wide. And for the listeners, I just want to and viewers, I just want people to know that um, and introduce them to Forrest Finn, who's a a Santa Fe staple and also the author of *The Thrill of the Chase*, a memoir that Mm -hmm. kind of set this whole treasure hunt. Into into motion, Forrest. Thanks so much for talking to me. And um, a, a Santa Fe staple. I've been called lots of things, but I don't know. Why I've been called a staple. <laughs> <laughs> you released this book, your memoir, in 2010. Is that where this all started?
4: No, it started in 1988 when I had what everybody thought was terminal cancer. Sooner or later, you decide. I decided that get the kids off the couch. Out of the game room, out into the trees and the mountains, and uh, we have a problem in this country with our youth. We're obese, and we, we we use our little hand machines too much. I think, you know, a lot of the kids are not going to agree with me. But
7: so part of your a big huge part of your motivation for this was to to get kids off their portable devices, get them out into nature, get them exploring. What is it with Buried treasure that. No, I never people. Did say
4: the treasure was buried. Oh, okay, thank I you. Said, I said that I hid the treasure. That doesn't mean it
7: isn't buried. Sure. Everybody has a little adventure in them. Tell us more about the poem that you put together surrounding this this treasure hunt.
4: I, I didn't want to give it away. I didn't want it to be a door prize or win a lotto. I wanted people to to go out and and have some adventure. Uh, some imagination, some uh, common senses to try to solve the the clues in the poem, and if you can if you can do that and go to the treasure
7: chest, you can have it. And if Santa Feans who who may want to get a leg up on starting somewhere, would they start with your memoir? Is that that's the what place?
4: I've I've been asked that question a number of times. What I recommend is that you read my book normally. Then you read the poem over and over and over again, and, and just think about think about every line. Read it four or five, ten times, and then go back and read the book again slowly, looking for hints in the book that will help you with clues in the poem. Where can people go to
7: find your book, Mr. Finn?
4: The only place in the world, uh, the two places in the world you can find my book. One is Amazon.com, and the other one is a Collected Works Bookstore, Collected Works Bookstore in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, they set 10 percent of the of the gross money aside for a cancer fund that that will that we'll spend hopefully sometime this year, but I didn't want anyone to say that this the treasure chest is a hoax to make money on the book. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't make one penny on I don't even get my publishing costs back.
7: This is not a publicity stunt. Not in a other pur- words,
4: and and by that same token, a, a lot of searchers are urgent. They want to know right now. I just got an email five minutes ago
7: that says, Tell me where the the treasure chest is, and the guy was mad if if you know you were somebody else and you were observing this mm-hmm. would would you be one of those treasure hunters
4: I would give anything in the world when I was ten years old if somebody told me they hid a treasure chest someplace because i'd I'd look under every bush in North America looking for that
7: yeah, you I kind of root for the kids in this. Have you gotten some good feedback from from younger younger people?
4: I got an email yesterday from an eight year old girl she and her parents are coming out here, and they and she she says she knows exactly where it is, and she wants to know after she finds it if she can come by my house and have me sign her book for. Her. And I said, sure.
7: Sounds like a yeah a deal that actually. And comes she might situation. go ahead
4: and find a treasure chest too.
7: He's um, a long time Santa Fe mainstay. Is that better than staple?
4: Uh, uh, that's great. I, I, I love titles like that. I've been called so many others.
7: Um, art collector, many other things, um, and among them, he is um, the author of "The Thrill of the Chase," a memoir. We've been talking about the hidden treasure, Mr. Fenn. First, thanks for stimulating the imagination of you know a whole country. Somewhere it seems in like in the wilderness. Thank um, you very much. Some, somewhere in the wilderness. All right.
3: The okay. We're back. We're back. Okay. Okay. So what, what the interviewer didn't tell you guys is that Fenn wasn't just some guy. He ran an art gallery that had over 6 million in annual sales, catering to clients like Spielberg and Gerald Ford. And keep in mind, Santa Fe, New Mexico is kind of an artist, enclave, ritzy place for a lot of uh, movie stars who would get ranches and such out there and still do to this day um but what he did because he came into so many different interesting ancient artifacts baskets to different pipes etc gold pieces what he did was he stuffed a 10 by 10 by 6 inch romanesque chest and it's a beautiful looking chest you can see a picture of it with some of the finest treasures he's acquired over the years. We're talking about pre-Columbian jewelry, gold nuggets, the size of chicken eggs, ancient jade carvings. I'm getting my remote viewing audience tantalized. Emeralds, diamonds, plus a copy of his autobiography. Bonus. And basically, he ...planned to drag this into the mountains and die beside it. But because he beat his cancer... ...instead, he decided to hide it. Somewhere. Right? So basically, he lives in Santa Fe. This is all we know. Via the poem, of course. The 24-line poem. Which contains nine ambiguous clues leading to its precise location. This chest. But we know also that he left his home, he drove somewhere in the Rocky Mountains and hid the chest. And what they don't tell you is that he was able to also get home in the same day. Now, granted, I mean, if you're not tantalized enough or uh, interested enough to go look at this poem, by the way, which you can find fairly easily by just typing into uh, Google "Forest Fenn's – poem. You'll be able to read this poem. That's more than a remote viewer is supposed to even get. Right? They're supposed to be going in blank, blind, blind targeting. They don't know how this works, etc. Remember all that? Go listen to my Russell Targ interview. Go listen to Lynn Buchanan interviews and and, and the rest. They go into granular detail on this fabric that you're able to jump into sub- with your conscious, your subconscious into this matrix where you're able to uh, tap into anything you want and such. Uh, it gets very hocus-pocus on me. And the reason I say that is because this challenge hit me like a ton of bricks. And, Angel, you're kind of hearing about this for the first time. Don't you think, yep. and be honest, that this would be like Ed Dame says, can they find it or can they not? Mm-hmm. And here it is. We are in 2017. It has been seven years, which Definitely. timely and how interesting is the same amount of years that Kyron Horman has been missing. Mm. To put a challenge out to the remote viewing community, which I will be doing this week via email, outlining that my challenge is for the remote viewing community to find Forrest Finn's treasure. Now that's getting down and dirty, Mr. Dames, isn't it? So, just a little bit. This is exciting because it really is organic. It came to me while I was there. I had never heard this story. I didn't know about Finn. Uh, Finn, there is a, a dark side to this. And here it is. There have been people that have, as they brought up, treasure hunters, amateurs. If you go on YouTube, you have people sharing their theories about the poem. You'll have people showing you, uh, their excursions. And unfortunately, someone died this past year. Uh, the terrain, especially in New Mexico, obviously with the heat mixed in with, uh, getting lost, you can get very lost quite easily out there. And, oh yeah. Unfortunately yeah. for one gentleman, it was his demise. Uh, going hiking alone for something like this, mm, not, no not, idea. not a smart idea. So if you are interested in this Forrest Finn case, you're going to be hearing a lot more about it on this program because we're throwing it down tonight. We're throwing down this challenge to all remote viewers out there, and I bet you they have dabbled with this, but it doesn't matter because it's a clean slate. I'm giving you a clean slate, and I'm giving you a leg up. You have the poem, and you have hundreds of people, thousands from all over the world have already taken a crack at this. Now some say Finn uh, is full of shit and he didn't hide it. I don't believe that and I don't think that the people of San uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico believe that. He has a stellar reputation and uh, he was the kind of guy that would do something like this and so he did it. And this thing is out there and it is very exciting. So th- we will be not only sharing with you guys coming up uh the email that we're going to send out to some of these remote viewing uh folks, some of the hierarchy, some of the top tier guys, and we'll see what they say. We'll see if they want to take a crack at it. They might even claim to already know. Maybe Ed Dames will write back and say, I already know, but it's a political thing, and I'm not going to tell, or something like that. Or maybe he'll send me a map with the uh coordinates blacked out. I don't know. I have no idea how they're going to respond to this angel. I have no idea if they're going to do anything, but I will say this. You can't ignore this. You can't just blow it off because either you believe what Ed Dames is saying, and I tend to believe what's going to happen is is that many of the uh rational, more rational kind of down earth remote viewing guys I've talked to will be straight up that you can't uh you can't definitely find the treasure. You nothing is absolute with rv not even close not even 90% not even 80% not even 70% so not even 5% well no, now you're kind of getting towards where i think it lies and that's what we're doing here we're in, we're kind of being able to open up remote viewing to this audience you've heard about it for years where is it it's become sort of a, a part of our history right it's almost something that we sort of accept. We don't have to challenge. But in the background, there are a lot of people spending lots of money to learn how to do this. And my point is, look, man, why aren't you winning the lottery? Okay? And if you are, I want to meet these people, and I want them to tell me that they remote-viewed the lottery numbers. I don't believe that's happening. I don't User believe... Use question. Go ahead.
2: Has there been any... Um- uh, government collaboration that these folks actually were in some form of program that was paid for by the government at some point. I mean, has anything official been uh, ever released on remote viewing by the government that officially says, yes, Major Ed Dames is legit, uh, or is this just uh, another one of those, well, I, I said I work for the government, so you got
3: to just believe me on my own merit. You know, you, again, you bring up such a great point. Because back in the day when we were kids listening to Bell and such, Ed Dames came on, a retired Major Ed Dames, and you're right. The first thing you'd want to do is go, hey, let's check out his background. Did he actually serve? Yes. Was he part of this program called Stargate that worked with the Stanford Research Institute? Yes. This is all documented. He is the real McCoy. Okay. Does this guy speak lots of languages and does he kind of come across as a sort of Chuck norris ex-Special Forces guy? To a certain degree, he does. Okay? He's got this myst- mysterious thing about him. In fact, I-, I think at the time he was living in like Russia when we had this interview, which is why the audio might be a little off. But yes, I think you bring up a, uh, a bunch of really strong points there, Angel. Uh, well, questions at
2: least i mean i 'd like to uh, you know know if the government can' collaborate his stories because yeah, he might have worked for you know these folks at some point, but doesn 't mean they they were remote viewing they could have been doing some some other complete
3: no um, this project. this is project Stargate is a documented project, and they really did take a crack at this. It really happened, and there are multiple incredibly credible people. And I believe Ed Dames that he was part of the project, and I've seen enough documentation uh, that I do believe that. I do okay, think that again, Ben took. But where where's
2: where did this documentation come from?
3: Well, I mean, uh, I, I I don't have it on me, and I'm by no means defending <laughs> Dames, you know. No, but,
2: th- but that's that's the real question because you know we you know let's be he honest. He has
3: been vetted that he served in the military in the army in the Stargate program, and that the okay, Stargate well. program. Actually existed, but yeah, but uh, does the
2: government even acknowledge that such a program exists? Yes,
3: yes. This well, is we could, something we could uh, you Google could that easily. Actually. Google and like I said, if if there was a... you get you get where I'm coming from with this. What you bring up is a much better point. Is that back in the day, you at least had to have that going on, okay, to make the big stage. Now, you could be a Corey Good. And say, look, I served in the in the secret space program, no documentation. I served uh, as an ambassador to extraterrestrials, no documentation. Obviously, no proof, no anything to support, no any of these claims. I've got a picture
2: it. from the Civil War that proves that I was there when right. I was
3: twelve years old. Exactly, but the, in my fact, my blurry. I'm shocked that Passaggio is not uh, at contact, but. The point being is that you raised this amazing point, which is that back then you had some sort of standard, and now there is no standard. It's all out the window. So Corey Good is going to be revered. In fact, he might get another standing ovation at the uh, Contact in the Desert, and thanks to everybody for risking his life, et cetera, et cetera. And as you've pointed out uh, perfectly, at least Dames has the credentials – to back up the fact that yes, he was technically trained on remote viewing in our own army. He really was. Okay, I know that for a fact. Okay, so, we're, we're, we're diving, uh, we're diving into remote viewing. We've got our challenge. Um, there was one other person that I wanted to play for you tonight. Uh, his take on remote viewing. There, uh, and that was St- Dr. Stephen Greer. The reason is is because it's twofold. Number one, I wanted to give you a quick review of his new film, Unacknowledged. I did see the film, and I had been discussing it. I uh, have been discussing it this past week on Project Avalon on their forum with both Bill and uh, some of the gang over there. Uh, that's the forum that I currently visit and follow uh, for my personal needs. I try not to go too. I try not to spread myself too thin in the blog sphere or the forum sphere, so that's the one I'm sticking with for right now. I do think they have a very good handle on the Corey Good situation. Again, if you haven't heard the dark journalist interview with Bill Ryan uh last week, please go ahead and listen to that, and you'll get a good background on the fact that Corey Good was a member of the Avalon Forum for many years, uh, before he came out with uh, some of these claims and they have a really good handle on who they think this gentleman uh, is and uh, his claims. Uh, their analysis is top notch and it is probably the best insight to this day on both Corey Good and uh, his relationship with David Wilcock. So go ahead and listen to that Um as far as uh, what's coming up next on the program, a lot of things. But let's talk about Acknowledged first. Acknowledged, Dr. Stephen Greer's new movie. Of course, this is the follow-up film to Sirius, a film that he made a few years prior. This was solely crowdfunded by y'all, okay, And he raised uh, about a half mil, I believe. And then he got this production company, Orchard, involved to uh, produce the film. And I will say the following. It's great. I really enjoyed it. Were there parts that you have to get over the narcissistic element to Greer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The egocentric, driven aspects to the me, I'm first stuff that we talk about sometimes on this program with certain – Individuals, David Wilcox, uh, and such. Yes, there's that in there for sure. But the reason I loved it was because – a few reasons. Number one, UFO documentaries for the most part are usually subpar when it comes to quality. And I mean that like in the graphic sense and in the money that's allotted towards film, stock, etc., Because they don't have the budget. This guy actually had a good budget for this, so he, it looks terrific. It looks like a feature, which is what we need at this point. We have to try to get into that space and get people to look at this. If you want somebody to pay attention to your video, make sure that video is 1080. Okay? So, top notch, four stars for production value. Orchard did a great job. I will say there are some strange things in the foreground of the film. Uh, some of the whistleblowers that he decides to utilize in his film were strange to me, Richard Doty being one of them, who is a self-proclaimed uh, – um, ma- um, he's a self-proclaimed uh, agent working for the government to disinform the public about the UFO topic. He was involved with the Paul Benowitz case, which was involving a group of operatives, Doty claiming to be one of them, who, uh, systematically drove Paul Benowitz insane and, uh, some believe were involved in his demise. So I found that strange. I also found strange that Clifford Stone is someone that they give a, uh, a lot of camera time to. When it comes to showcasing some of their witnesses, uh, a, a really nice person, but a person that I, again, would say had n- never had a, a stitch proof to any of the crash retrievals that he had been a part of. So other than that, and I'm nitpicking here because it's broken up into three parts, the film. Part one, part two is uh, there's a lot of rehash. This is a great documentary to sit down someone who doesn't have a background, but it gets better. And the reason it gets better, and I'm tipping my hat to Greer on this one, I really am, and you know that I love giving credit when it's due, is because part three is uh, utilizing Michael Schrat, which I thought was interesting too, uh, for a lot of it, to explain why there's a cover-up. What What is the theory as to why um, UFO involvement, extraterrestrial involvement with this planet has been covered up so so well. And I don't want to give it away. I really don't. I don't want to paraphrase it. I've been trying to stop doing that on the program by running more clips and media. Um, Go see this film. I think that they're charging too much money on Amazon for it again. We talked about money tonight. It's a growing problem. It's been a problem in ufology and, uh, the other, the other guys' camps. Uh, $20 to watch this film on Amazon, uh, if you have that. Usually the films that I go to watch on Amazon, if I want to spring for them, are about $6, maybe $8. But why would you charge double that, Angel? Uh, to put more money in their pockets. Yeah, it's the only reason I could think of. So yeah. that's, to me, uh in poor judgment. Uh, but other than that, I really have to give this high marks. And I think part three is not only going to shock a lot of people, it's going to give them a really good insight into a theory of theirs that might just be the correct one. I don't know if it's the correct one. I'd like to have a conversation about the film down the road. In fact, we might be doing a best UFO documentary show coming up, and we might have to include that. Nice. So that's kind of neat. Have you watched the film yet, Angel? I have not. I will say I have not had time. Okay. Uh, I I urge you to watch it this week, and maybe we can powwow and see how we can uh, maybe even get somebody on the program to discuss, maybe somebody that worked on the film, uh, but, you know, Greer's goals for the film is to have as many people as he can see it. Well, um, well
2: you should try to reach out to Greer himself, see if uh, he's you know, available to come on.
3: You know, I've tried to reach out to him in the past. You never I haven't know. Had, but I'm happy to do so. Happy to do so, especially since I'm giving it high marks. Yep, there you go. Which, to a lot of people listening, might think that that is totally strange of me. However, even in the Project Avalon forum, I give credit when it's due. Okay. I have always said that the Corey Good information, the David Wilcox, uh, um, information is entertaining because I do find it entertaining. It's fun to dream. It really is. It's fun to imagine what life would be like if energy was free and if we had, uh, Trade, real trade with, uh, other worlds, like just on a commerce level, you know, getting sweaters from another planet and we're sending, uh, I don't know, little hippie boxes or whatever crafts people are wanting to try to exchange. I mean, just all kinds of interesting ways that our world would change, obviously. And we only see that in films, we only see that in TV. But where else can you see that on another level is by going to Gaia and such and listening to these guys basically create these beautiful dream worlds for you. And it's very similar to why you would go to Full a giant. John... Very small, monetary fee. Very small. Only uh, this weekend, man. You are – well, let's see. If you put in – with hotel, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna spend at least almost two thousand dollars <laughs> at this thing by the time you're done. Yeah, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it blows my marbles. Uh, and that's why we've sort of taken this step to give and take with giving people credit and also criticizing it when it needs to be done. It's not because we relish in it. It is entertaining, obviously. Uh, I know that people. Uh, Look, the switchboard lit up that night with dames. You can imagine. The station manager called. That guy didn't know I existed, basically. He called. I thought he was going to fire me. Instead, he would praise the show. Um, These things do happen sometimes. But it doesn't matter who, how many listeners we have because we can do what we want on this program. And that's one of the things I, I love about it. So tonight... Making this remote viewing challenge is the best way to do it in a positive way. It's, it's not a, a cut on the remote viewing community. It's taking their words from their top people, one of their top persons, and saying, this should be the metrics that you've set forth. What can you tell me about Forest Fence treasure? What can you tell me about this amazing jewel that is somewhere in the Rocky Mountains? And the fact that someone passed away last year uh, was mind-blowing to me. But that's how interested people are in things like this. This is a real Indiana Jones story. So I'm sure that some of the remote viewers have already taken a crack at this. But what I want is someone to come on and explain why they haven't been able to find it yet. Either it works or it doesn't. With that being said, we're, we're 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 starting to wind down here, um, and uh, you know where you're not going to find us this weekend, which is at Contact in the Desert. But uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, sir. You know, but I will say, I wish there was an affordable conference uh, that that was something we could gather at, and perhaps down the line that just becomes something that we create, uh, because. The way that this machine is turning, uh with the help of Gaia and with the help of I would want to say fantasy land and lowering of the the bar, the standard of of excellence or proof, uh we're we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg, it seems to me. So
2: what do you think of uh our good buddy Alejandro's uh UFO con I mean UFO uh a Congress, or UFO Congress?
3: Yeah, the UFO Congress. What do you think of that convention? It's the same as all the others. It has the same exact formula that I described as far as uh, an entry price and then the actual workshops, which are additional monies. Mm. I, I never thought that that was a fair way to go. I, if you told me it's $270, I'd still think you're crazy. But if you told me, hey, maybe it's $150. And for $150 you get all the speakers. There is no workshops. Right. And that still is a large price to pay. Okay, I don't know what the expectations are from this audience uh as far as their financial strata. But I'll say when you go to these things They could be pumping much more people through there if they had some Mm -hmm. decent prices that made sense. Not to mention, as you astutely pointed out, doesn't the message come first? And so you're telling me that you're going to hide the message from the Blue Avians or whoever else or whatever research that you've come to an epiphany on. And you're going to hide all that from us because we can't come up with $275? This This is basically the gist of it. They came down from another galaxy. They gave
2: me this information that I must share with the planet, but unless you pay me a fee, I ain't
3: telling you shit. That's basically just the basic gist of the folks. That's what's going on. And look, Corey's the first one to own up about that too. And and the thing is, he's so flatlined about it. It's, it yeah. it's kind of weird. But he's like, well, I do have to make uh, a living for it to support my family. Which is understandable.
2: Family. But I mean, to, to what point? To what you know? What means? I mean,
3: well, you could you could do it by not. Uh, uh, promoting a hoax. You can go get a job like everybody else. So, I mean, I guess that's the point where it's like, what do you got against Corey Good? What I got against him is that he's starting to affect people's mindsets and Mm -hmm. that's affecting ufology on a big level, just like Stan Romanek is affecting ufology, just like Sean David Morden is affecting ufology. When these hoaxers get nabbed, it really hurts us, just like Jaime Musan has hurt ufology in such a terrible way, Jaime. And you know, we all know, we couldn't get the raw data, I don't believe, but they made a bundle on their live stream, I believe. Oh, yeah. A lot of money, Angel, a and a lot of money. Of money. So, mm-hmm. you know, some people would say that we're crying sour grapes. We're not. We have no uh, financial interest uh in this whatsoever. But uh, I understand people have to make a living. I wish mm-hmm. that the researchers made more money uh, and, and that they could get some sort of payment for some of the things they did. But on some level, I'm glad that they don't as well because then if they don't do make anything, then you have people like Chase Kalotsky, and she just does it because she is deeply interested in the topic. Yep. And I think that's cool and she's like we're doing all this work on the uh crystal skull coming up remember that and yep. you know she's not getting paid for that and she's not going to say hey if you want to learn about what we what we did uh pony up you know 49.99 or you know first spend 200 bucks and then pony up the 49 <laughs> you know and then you you get to hang out with all these groovy people well you know what that is not the way this message is supposed to be going uh, Corey as well, uh, he's keeping it very simple. A lot of people say that he's borrowing most of his story from others, anyways. But his big message from the uh, as the ambassador to the Blue Avions is that we should be nicer to each other. Do
2: you understand? This is you know, UFO Phil, and this is just what he's doing.
3: Yes, this is what I this is what many are saying on the forums which is like this is just other people's shtick.
2: No 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 not other people's shtick. This is UFO Phil. Do you know who UFO Phil is, Jesse? Do you remember UFO Phil at all or no? No. Okay, UFO Phil is a character created by actually a friend of mine. Uh he he's become a friend over the last few years because I've restocked him and we've had him on other uh, mother mother shows. But he became really famous for calling uh, coast to coast as a character named UFO Phil who would talk about the blue aliens, who were the good aliens, as to compare it to the bad aliens, which were red aliens? And his friends were all the blue aliens. And now you talking about Corey Good, blue aliens?
3: Yeah, right? yeah, I'm talking about the blue aliens. They're bird-like beings, right? Well, they actually that's kind of funny because that's
2: similar to the uh, design for the blue aliens that uh, UFO Phil um, has. Uh, it, this is very similar. To that, to what U.F.O. Phil does, but see, U.F.O. Phil is a character, and the guy who does it is a comedian. He's actually an actor. He's a very good actor. Eric uh, is his name, and uh, it's funny because you know he created this character kind of like as a spoof you know, of the U.F.O. community. But then I hear stuff like this with Corey Good, and I'm like, this is what that is. You know, he, U.F.O. Phil Neil it because this is uh, it's all you know, it's all B.S. with Corey Good, and Corey Good really is U.F.O. Phil in a sense. Well, he's I, doing what he did as a snake, but he shouldn't been him off as real.
3: Right. I, well, yeah, but he's doing a, a hell of a job with the help of Bayou. Oh, yeah. Because, of course. obviously, he's getting better. He's and like, onto the right folks. That's what it is. He's getting coached well. And yep. uh, I guess it's, in the past, we would say, hey, let's ask some of the questions that are important, go into his background, et cetera. Very similar to the Bob Lazar case. Right. Okay. Did he work at Area 51 or not? Did he work at Los Alamos or not? Did he uh, work for the Navy, uh, the Department of the Navy, or not? Did he go to Caltech or not? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, he stood up to a lot more scrutiny, and that's the problem. Is that you get to a, a guy like Corey? Good. Did he serve in the secret space program? These are the questions you have to ask. Uh, gee, I don't know. Uh, did it, did he go, uh, get picked up in his backyard by the blue avions, uh, extraterrestrials and, um, go to Antarctica and places like that on scout ships? I don't know. How are you going to be able to prove or, uh, accurately, uh, digest any of that as a, a person who's been involved in this subject for so long and knows that there's some sort of standard, you know? I mean, you can't just fall out of the sky and start saying, hey, I'm talking to the bread people, and they're from the bread planet, and uh, that's I have all kinds of stories to talk to you about. Um, we've heard this before. We've heard this from Captain Randy Kramer, and we've heard this from many of the people involved, like Andrew Visaggio and others, Alfred Weber, Laura Eisenhower, people who are claiming to be involved with a secret space program, ...that is coordinated between the moon and Mars, etc., and other locations with many different species of extraterrestrials. Do I want that to be real? Yes. Is there any proof to that? No, not a slice. And here's the thing. They will bring up other things when you say secret space program as something that's going to uh, hit a nerve with you. So you might make it a lot more digestible. They will say, hey look, the uh, the X-15 or the X-B uh, just landed. Uh, it wasn't a NASA project. You heard about that a couple of weeks ago. This was uh, a plane that was in orbit, and we don't really know what it was doing for a long time. And it landed. Okay, yeah, are there clandestine things going on? We know about Clementine. They mapped the entire surface of the moon. It was a NSA project, I believe. Um. The point being is that, yes, of course there are secret things going on, but this is so far from what – but these people are claiming that it's not even close, but they're using that as a crutch. They're using Skunk Works as a crutch, and guys like Shrat and people who really know about aeronautics and uh, about the Air Force technology that we don't know about. Okay, Now, Shrat is very – Quick, he has distanced himself from guys like Dan Burrish and things like that. And he's very quick to come off and tell you that, uh, you know, we are 50 years behind. Uh, We're more technologically than what is available. 50 years is a lot of time. So, uh, in essence, if you believe that, uh, we're being cheated out of uh, an entire existence. That we we could be having uh, different on every level imaginable, getting from you know L.A. to China in fifteen minutes or an hour and things like that. Anyways, if these things are real, yes, it's something to be incredibly upset about. And I urge you to check out Acknowledged because part three. I don't even care if you fast forward to part three. I don't think you will, but part three really goes into detail. And if you buy into this theory. And it's not gibberish. There's a lot that will click. If you buy into this theory, this is where we need to focus our efforts. And this is where it becomes problematic with, uh, Dr. Greer sometimes because, like I said, if he could drop the other stuff that goes into La La Land, the CE5 stuff and the Fantasy Land, the Crazy Town stuff, uh, the levitation, uh, descriptions and the meditation stuff. If he could stick to the disclosure efforts, utilize his PhD, his MD status, he's a very well spoken character. If he could just somewhat tone down the ego part that seems to sort of come out in these porous like ways. If he could tone down those efforts, if he could stick to disclosure and you watch part three, I think you're going to find that, uh, there's, there's something there. There's something there that you can work off of. And that's exciting. So is there a call to action? Mm, It's always hard with these things. What's the call of action, uh, call to action with this after watching it? Let's discuss that after some of the people got a chance to do so. Uh, like yourself angel and some yeah, i can't others. Wait to see it yeah i mean it's yeah. really the thing to see right now and i believe they're going to be showing it at, at contact so there's that's where twenty dollars is going of your 275 i guess not my uh, 275, $275. <laughs> <laughs> hey look i've you know people get say i'm jealous i am jealous i want to go i'm not going no I'm not going uh, you know what? i've interviewed a lot of these guys and uh it, it's always nice to put uh, a face to the name uh, in person. So it w- it sure would have been nice. I haven't been to one of these events in a while, but um, I don't know. I think I'd be doing a lot of cringing this time around because it's got such a strange aura around it this time. It's got the Gaia influence. It's got the New Age uh, persona, that vibe, that patchouli. Mm-hmm. Smell and it and it's you can feel it.
1: Yep. like
2: and, no, and the the further we age, Jesse, the, the older we get, and the more time passes, the more and more that is what's going to engulf this uh, this genre, unless you know there is a new guard that takes you know, ufology and the paranormal by the hand and kind of cleans it up or drains the swamp, as some would say, and uh, unless that happens, uh, yeah, get used to it because this is what this is what it is basically.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is what we have to look forward to, and when we try to expose some of this stuff as just silliness, uh, like goods claims, uh, there are so many people that think we are just negative. We are Mm -hmm. negative. It's very similar to atheists. Uh, If you want to see the person who personifies everything I believe regarding religion, a guy named Chris Hitchens – Okay. Christopher Hitchens, he's British,
7: he passed, okay.
3: away, passed away a couple of years ago um, when he was getting really hot too. This guy de- has debated from Catholic priests to rabbis and Islam uh, uh, clerics and everyone in between. Okay? That is someone that I want to speak for me. And it's nice to find people in those genres. In ufology, uh, this is what we have to look forward to. This is dismal at best. I might as well spend my $275 at a comic book convention and uh, and at least look at it as entertainment.
2: And you get a lot more uh, you know, cuter girls walking around in cosplay outfits than you would at one of these conventions.
3: Oh, <laughs> UFO conventions uh, have some of the homeliest people you're ever going to see. Like I said... Mostly uh, older people, mostly uh, out of shape because we spend most of our time on computers. Uh, the dork factor, of course. Science people are usually pretty old. Well, the eddy.
2: dork factor is pretty equal to the comic uh, book conventions. Let's just be fair there. There's, the dork factor is it's on par. Pretty dork.
3: Well, I think the dork factor is much bigger in the comic book world. I mean, they're, they're really... It's a different
2: kind of dork, though, Jesse. It's a different kind of
3: dork. Yeah, it's not my bag. It's your bag.
2: It's not it's my, my bag. bag.
3: Ufology is my bag, and I don't want to be embarrassed about that. I want it to be something amen more cutting. That. Yeah, amen to that. And I feel embarrassed right now. I don't feel comfortable telling folks without getting different kind of Snickers coming up that this is even worse than before. Um with that being said, we're out of time. A lot got accomplished this evening. What a fun program with this challenge, the Forest Finn treasure, look it up, Google it, and see how this could be the ultimate way for the remote viewing community to shut me up and to say, hey, this is very legitimate. Uh, I am planning on going back to New Mexico next year, and I hope that maybe even someone would like to take me up and show me where it is after they have uh, done their RV work. With that being said, You Radio is produced by Angela Spino. I am your host, Jesse Randolph, here in Portland, Oregon, the great state of Oregon, which is finally in its summer streak, just starting. It's beautiful. We're all coming out. We're looking into the light as these pale beings that have sat in rain for six months or more. And now it is time. We are blooming. We are excited. Next week, we have a really interesting show lined up for you. I'm going to keep that under wraps at this moment waiting on a couple of uh clearances. Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Thursday nights, 8 p.m. This will not change. Please join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. I really do want to say that I will make every effort to always make the show moving forward. And I thank you for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time here on Euphana Radio.